The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Let me invite you to take your scriptures this morning and go to Matthew chapter 2, please. Matthew chapter 2. We'll be looking this morning at verses 9 through 12. Matthew chapter 2, and we'll begin reading at verse number 9. The Bible says, When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we love you today. We thank you again for the word of God. Thank you for the privilege that is ours to open it, to discover divine truth. I pray, Father, that you'll give me liberty as I preach this morning. Lord, help me to accurately and clearly represent your word And I pray that you'll be with those who have come to listen today. I pray that you'll give them ears to hear. And I pray, Father, that we'll all be changed people as a result of spending time in the Scripture today. In Jesus' name, amen. These wise men, these magi, were um, wise people. They were part of a priestly caste. They were sages. Some people believe they originated in Persia. Other people believe that they originated in Babylon. But either way, it really doesn't matter. Whatever the case, they were characterized by multiple disciplines in the secular field in which they were very astute. For example, they were gifted in astronomy. They knew the movement of the stars and could follow them. They were gifted in literature. They were familiar with the Jewish writings that had predicted a star would come. They were gifted in linguistics. In spite of the fact that they were from the East, they were familiar with the Hebrew Scriptures. They were familiar with the the writings in the original languages in which they came. Obviously, they were gifted in history. They grasped the meaning of these messianic prophecies that had been made in the Bible and the historical development of them. And even gifted in theology because they understood that there was something special about this king. So here are these guys who are gifted in all of these secular disciplines, and yet in spite of the fact that they're gifted in these disciplines, they did not stop there. They allowed these disciplines to lead them to the Christ, and they spared no expense to get to where the Christ child was. I submit to you that many of you today are just like the Magi. You are gifted in multiple disciplines. Some of you may be gifted in science, and you've chosen to study that field. Others may be gifted in literature, and you are studying that particular discipline. Some love linguistics, and they're involved in language studies. Others may be historians, and even a good chunk of you may be today theologians, and you've come here specifically for the purpose of studying the Bible. 
And like these wise men, I think there's no doubt that many of you have spared no expense to come. You have paid out a lot of money to travel here, to pay tuition, to advance yourself in these secular disciplines. But I want to submit to you that no discipline will be adequately fulfilling in our life unless we allow that discipline to lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ. My greatest fear as a professor is that I would do something that would mar the image of Jesus in the people to whom I'm speaking. Obviously, the reason that we're on faculty here at PCC is that we believe all truth is God's truth. And truth should lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would want to do nothing to obscure you being able to see Jesus. We have to admit also that not only can communication be broken down because of transmission, but it can also be broken down because of reception. Indeed, in this passage, there are three major responses to the Christ child. We see Herod giving us the response of anger. Herod was a bloodthirsty man. He had killed three of his sons. He had killed one of his wives. He had killed one of his mother-in-laws. He left orders at his death that thousands of people were to be slaughtered in order that there would be tears at his funeral. Caesar said it was safer to be um, Herod's hus than his weas. In other words, it was, a, it was safer to be his sow than to be his son. He took better care of his sows than he took care of his sons. Roman law had actually conferred upon him the title king of Judea. So it is obvious that when these wise men came and asked, where is the king of the Jews? He was disturbed because he perceived himself to be the king of the Jews and he tolerated no threat to his sovereignty. That's why all these people had been massacred. He tolerated no rivals. So it's understandable when the text of scripture says that when he was troubled, all Jerusalem was troubled with him. (laughs) That stands to reason. When Herod wasn't happy, nobody was happy. And he responded with this threat to his self-perceived sovereignty with anger. You understand that Jesus showed up to be Lord. Jesus wants to be the boss of our life. And if we have already determined that we're going to do things our way and nobody's going to stand in the way of that, Jesus is a threat to our self-perceived sovereignty and we respond to him with anger. But if there is a response of anger from Herod, there is the response of apathy from the scribes. It's interesting that the wise men got it wrong. For all of their vaunted knowledge, they come to Jerusalem looking for this king of the Jews and that wasn't the city where he was to be discovered. So the wise men were called, the wise men, because of their question, the scribes were called in and it was demanded of them where the Christ should be born. And they had the answer. Micah 5.2, thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be least among the cities of Judea, out of thee shall spring a ruler that will govern our people Israel, Micah 5.2. These were guys who knew Bible trivia. I mean, if they were on Jeopardy, they could run the Bible category. They had it down. But they didn't travel a few miles to Bethlehem to see the Christ child. They were bound to the Bible, but yet bored with it. It did not drive them to worship the Christ. So Herod responds with anger. The scribes respond with apathy. But the wise men, they respond with adoration. 
They fell down and they worshipped him. And because they fell down and they worshipped him, they were prepared to go home a different way than the way in which they came. I submit to you that everybody who sees Jesus in his glory goes home a different way than the way he came. Peasants and kings were called that night to kneel in silent awe, and everyone was changed somehow by the wonderful child they saw. Peasants and kings went on their way with wonder in their eyes, for wise men were made humble, and humble men were made wise." Our goal here at Pensacola Christian College is that no matter what your secular discipline, that you would go home a different way than the way you came because you have seen Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether you're a December grad and you're, for all intents and purposes, leaving this institution for good now, or whether this is just merely a Christmas break and you'll be back with us in a few months. My desire, I think our desire for you is is that you load up the car and you prepare to go home to your own country, wherever that may be, that you would go home a different way than the way in which you came, and that you would go home a different way because you have seen Jesus. Now, let us examine this morning exactly how this is done. First of all, I want to submit to you that you'll go home a different way having seen Jesus, if you have submitted to Revelation. When the Jews went into Babylon, obviously they carried their Old Testament scriptures with them. Evidently, these wise men came across these texts. They came across these prophecies, specifically the prophecy of Numbers 24, 17, where the Bible predicted that a star would come out of Jacob. And these wise men were favorably disposed towards that revelation. They followed the general revelation of the stars in the heavens, but they also followed the specific revelation that explained those stars to them. And even at the end of the story, when God speaks to them in a dream and tells them to go home a different way, they respond favorably to the revelation. They were willing to do whatever God told them to do. They were totally submissive to the word of God. This reminds me of 2 Corinthians 3.18, where the Bible tells us that we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory in ever-increasing stages of glory. Wearsby says this, that when the child of God looks into the word of God, he sees the son of God and is changed into the image of God by the spirit of God for the glory of God. Be on the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord. My spirit pants for thee, O living word. Fundamentalists have been accused of worshiping the Bible, but the reason we love the Bible so much is because the Bible is the vehicle that reveals Jesus Christ to us. Christ is not what we fabricate him to be. Christ is what he has revealed himself to be in his word. It is impossible to find Jesus without being submissive to divine revelation. And when you receive divine revelation, you should not wrestle with it. You should revel in it. The Bible says that when they saw the star, they didn't say, oh, man, 
This is going to cost me something. No, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. When I was a kid, we used to always sing this song at Christmas time about the wise men. And when they saw the star, they I can't even read that verse without thinking of that song. You know, that when we see the revelation of God and it reveals to us the person of God, we ought to rejoice with great joy, exceeding great joy. And therefore, my admonition to you today is that as you leave this campus, to leave it with a commitment to the Word of God. Now, commitment to the Word will not always make you popular, but it will always give you right perspective and it will always keep you pure. I submit to you, there is no greater thrill than all the world than having hitched your wagon to the truth of the Bible. Submit to Revelation. There's a second thing that I think caused them to go home a different way. Not only submission to revelation, but think with me secondly about the singleness of their reverence. G. Campbell Morgan said this, that when exegesis fails me, I worship. These wise men initially got it wrong. They went to the wrong city. They weren't exactly up on trivia as much as they should have been. But they were committed to worship. Theology should always lead us to doxology. It's interesting. I teach Romans. Romans 9, 10, and 11 are very combative passages. Christians have fought over those verses for years. But it's interesting. The man who wrote them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when he gets to the end of chapter 11, he is not wrestling. He is rejoicing. He is saying, for of him and through him and to him are all things. He was reveling in the majesty of God. I submit to you that you ought to always keep a songbook near you when you're having your devotions. Worshippers leave different people than the way they came. The Bible tells us in Acts 13 verse 2 that as these leaders in the church at Antioch were ministering, God said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work unto which I have called them. And it's interesting, the word they're ministering is not diaconus, the normal word for service, the word for which we get our word deacon. No, this is the word liturgikos. This is worship. You remember it was when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up that he said, here am I, Lord, send me, send me. I submit to you that our mission has got very human in the way we look at it. We show pictures of natives and people who need the gospel, and we allow this to be our incentive. But if the natives are what send us to the field, the natives can drive us from the field. I want to submit to you that we need to get very God-centered in our mission. It is because of who God is that we're willing to go anywhere and pay any price to do it. So when the wise men came to the house, everything else was peripheral. They saw Mary, his mother, but the Bible says they fell down and they worshipped him. The word here, worship, is proskuneo, to kiss toward. Their affection was all centered towards Jesus Christ. That was where they were riveted. That was what captured their attention. He had become the object of their focus. Oh, let me feel thee near me. The world is ever near. I see the sights that dazzle, the tempting sounds I hear. My foes are ever near me, around me and within. But Jesus, draw thou nearer and shield my soul from sin. Don't ever remove your nose from the book and don't ever remove your eyes 
from the Christ, looking unto Jesus. They had a singleness of reverence. But think with me not only about the submission of, to revelation and the singleness of their reverence, but think with me thirdly about the sacrifice of their resources. The sacrifice of their resources. Now, I know there's been some debate about this, but I tend to believe that there were three wise men. And the reason I tend to believe that is I just can't picture anybody showing up to the baby shower without a gift. And there were three gifts. Now, I know there's a possibility that there could have been a group gift. After all, it was gold. So maybe this was a group gift. I don't know. But I'm simply saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, that if you have gone into the Bible and you have found Jesus there and you focus on Jesus, it's going to have some effect upon your finances. It causes you to open your treasures as these wise men did here. And three are presented for us. First of all, they gave Jesus their gold. Gold reminds us of the apex of the monarchy. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse number 21 concerning the reign of Solomon that all his drinking vessels were of gold. The Bible says that silver was nothing to be accounted of in those days. Gold has always been considered priceless. We even speak of the gold standard. Well, you understand that the best of stuff is just stuff, and it ought to be given to Jesus. You heard about the guy who went to heaven and tried to take it with him, so he tried to sneak into heaven with a wedge of gold, and he's walking around with this box that has a wedge of gold in it, and Peter comes up to him and says, what do you got in the box? He goes, look, and he opens the box and shows him the gold. And Peter says, you brought pavement? You understand that gold is what they merely line the streets of heaven. Our gold is the tar of heaven, ladies and gentlemen. So born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. Because he's royalty, I give him my gold. The second gift that was offered is frankincense. Frankincense, according to Exodus chapter 30, verses 34 through 38, could never be compounded for oneself. It only could be compounded in the presence of deity. And so if gold speaks of his royalty, frankincense speaks of his deity. It could only be offered to God. Frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising, all men raising, worship him, God on high. They believed that the baby was king. They believed that the baby was God. And they offered him frankincense. So there was gold and there was frankincense. But wait, there's myrrh. According to John chapter 19 and verse 39, myrrh was used to embalm bodies. Now, this is a most unusual gift to bring to a baby shower, is it not? To bring embalming fluid to a baby shower. But you understand that what they were saying is we not only believe that this, as we sang this morning, was king and God, but that he was sacrificed as well. Myrrh is mine, it's bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom. 
sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. Now, let me tell you something, that when you understand that Jesus is royalty, and when you see that Jesus is deity, and when you see that Jesus came to offer his life at Calvary, what wouldn't you give him? What wouldn't you give up? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul. It demands my life. It demands my all. I submit to you that if you understand who this baby is, there is nothing that you would hold back from him. There is no stinginess that would enter your heart. And you'll leave a different person having emerged out of the world about me, myself, and I, and have emerged into the world that's all about him. There's a final thing I want to submit to you about going home a different way today, and that's this. Not only does it happen when we submit to revelation, not only does it happen when there's a singleness to our reverence, not only does it happen when there is a uh, relinquishment of our resources, but there's also this idea about taking the warnings of God seriously, of understanding the sobriety of ruin. God appears to these wise men and he tells them not to go back to Herod. Don't go back the way you came. There's danger in going back the way you came. There's danger in going back unchanged, of just having seen him as if it's like a tourist attraction and then moving on as, in, as if nothing's different. And I want to submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that the warnings of God in Scripture ought to always be taken seriously. All too often, a preacher stands behind the sacred desk. He sounds the alarm, and people go, yeah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Let me tell you this, that don't hang out with the angry people who are bloodthirsty, like Herod. Don't even hang out with the apathetic people like the scribes who are bound with the Bible but bored with it. Let the presence of Christ and your affection for him do something in your heart that motivates you that I am not going to live in anger to God. I'm not going to live in apathy to God. I'm going to live in adoration of God. And that means I'm going home a different way than the way I came. There's danger on that road of apathy and anger, and I refuse to walk that road any longer. I'm going home a different way than the way I came. And I'm going to take this warning with the full sobriety with which, with which it is issued. If you were to go to my hometown in Mansfield, Ohio, I could take you to a dilapidated duplex on Henry Avenue. That was the house where my mom and dad were setting up housekeeping at the time that they got saved. At that time, my dad was an alcoholic. There is no denying that if God had not intervened with his supernatural grace, that our family would have been dysfunctional, it would have been ruinous. And often, as a little kid, my dad would drive me past that dilapidated duplex 
and point out that beat-up house on Henry Avenue and say, son, but for the grace of God, that's where you'd be. But God did come. And he changed the trajectory of the Amsball family. And because he did, dad went home a different way than the way he historically had come. Today I went back to the house where I used to live. My little boy ran and hid behind the door. And my dad said, son, you don't have to be afraid now. You've got a new daddy. Thanks to Calvary, we don't live there anymore. Thanks to Calvary, I am not the man I used to be. Thanks to Calvary, things are different than before. And as the tears ran down my face, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't come here anymore. In just a few days, you'll be packing the suitcase, you'll be putting things into storage, and that day that you've been waiting for for a long time will come. You're going home. But I ask you that as you go home, stay submissive to revelation. Stay single in your reverence. Stay sacrificial with your resources. And stay sober to the possibility of ruin. Because if you're a wise man, you'll go home a different way than the way you came. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.